0: Right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that! You don't got time for that! All right? Let's go! Crank it! Crank it, Let Cross!
1: Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
0: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320
2: KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson along with Adam Dravetta here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We uh, just scurried back into the studio. We were out at. Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day earlier, and uh, we've got a lot of audio to share for you that, honestly, we're not going to get to all of it quite today. It'll probably be over the next week or so here, Uh, but we'll have some Bill Self audio to share for you, both of him at the dais and him in a scrum to share today. Adam asked some fun questions with a lot of the different players and coaches. Can you give us a tease? What was your favorite interaction with a player or a coach
0: question and answer the uh i i, I feel terrible I, I forget his name but the the kid from baylor that became famous matthew for, meyer thank you Matthew. I don't know if it's Mayer or meyer um i thought it was meyer so i asked a few players hey uh baker mayfield as you've seen in the commercials has to live in his stadium and he uh you know if you had to live in your arena would you be all set up and most of them just laughed and gave a simple You know, a lot of them had the, man, yeah, I love playing ball, so I just, I love being there anyway and working out and practicing and whatever. Most of them had that. He looked me dead in the eye, kind of like in, in Christmas Vacation where Clark says that the weatherman saw Santa in Chicago and, and uncle Eddie or cousin Eddie goes, are you serious, Clark? So he looks at me dead serious and goes, is that real or is that a joke? So that was, that was exquisite.
2: As if you would have the power to? Did he think like he was signing up for? Yeah, like, like are a you really show? offering me this? You know? <laughs>
0: right?
2: He's like, sign here, sir. You have to sign this waiver. So,
0: and the thing was is every time because I feel like these you know these coaches and players have to answer a, a zillion questions, mm-hmm. and they're usually in a more serious mode. And so I, I, every single time when I, when I put the recorder up, I said, Hey, I kind of have just a goofy kind of silly question and something not so serious. I prefaced it with that. And he's listening to me and goes, so do you think he was punking you? Then? That's what I wonder. The I, heck. cause I, so I, I, this has been my thing. So I, I have a very dry sense of humor and I love when people don't know, if, like when I'm kidding it actually when I'm not kidding and people think I am, it's very frustrating, but I kind of earn that a little bit. Um, But it, if I'm kidding and people don't realize I'm kidding it's the funniest thing in the world that's one of the few ways that I can make myself laugh because I I really am good at keeping a straight face when I make a joke because I don't think I mean I know it's going to make other people laugh but it's not really something I don't make myself laugh very well but when other when I'm joking and other people think I'm dead serious it's the funniest thing in the world to me and but so I don't know if he was doing that right back to me and if he was good for him man I mean, he's got the mullet. That would make you yeah. think that, you know, So if he was just, party. if he was doing the pretending to be serious but clearly joking right back to me, then that's awesome.
2: Yeah, more power to you. But I guess uh, we'll never know. Maybe when Baylor plays at Kansas, you're going to have to hope I'll that have to
0: follow up. he's going to have to have a podium game
2: to get up there. Yeah. But, yeah, you'll have to follow up to that's that. That's
0: the thing because I'm not going to be able to go – you know, I'll, if he if he doesn't have a good game, I'll have to wait till the Big Twelve tournament or something. I'm, I'm just gonna have to get on the team meet, bus. get yeah. on the Big Twelve um there conference call or something. Yeah, there you go. But um, yeah, I, but anyway, I was I was I part of me really hopes he was kidding because if he was, it was very impressive. Yes. So
2: as far as the KU portion of this, like I said, a lot of Bill Self audio to share. Um, David McCormick, Ochak, Baji were both there. Got a lot of good answers from them, both serious and joking around with Dave and Ochai. As far as the Bill Bill Self stuff, the KU basketball stuff, I think there were a couple big themes. Um, One was, you know, what's going to be, I guess, the style of play of this team. Like, are you going to play two bigs at all? Is this guy going to play in this situation? How much of a role is this guy going to play? Are you going to play faster? Or what's the defense going to look like? All that stuff. And that that's normal. Usually you get that every year, especially when you have so many newcomers. Uh, but I think one of the maybe the biggest themes that we saw from KU, and you actually asked Bill Self a question about this when he was up at the podium, was in regards to the construction of the roster with having 14 different guys on scholarship because you get the extra one this year. With Mitch Lightfoot back for his senior year, and not just having 14 guys on scholarship, but having 14 guys that realistically you could point to each and every guy. Like you could point to whoever the 11th or 12th man ends up being on this roster, and say he might be good enough to go start at Iowa State this year,
0: right? Yeah, and I, I think, and I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, um, so I want to be clear. I'm paraphrasing the quote here, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but but he was asked by somebody else about the depth. And he said something to the effect of the, you know, getting, you know, if if you've kind of got seven or eight guys and that's all and you know who they are, okay. But he talked about there's a much bigger challenge in whittling it down from 14 to 10. Mm -hmm. And then he talked, that was on the podium. And then when he was in the scrum, he talked a little bit about, um, you know, it's going to be, and maybe this is also on the podium, but at one point he talked about, Right now in practice, they're playing five on five because you've got to play five on five. And when it gets down to, uh, you know, just five players allowed to play during a game, how are they going to react to that? But he mentioned that it's, you know, the the big task. At least what it seemed from the answer, it seemed like he, he's going to feel it's a very big task whittling this down from fourteen players who would be good enough to play it basically every other Big 12 school and whittling it down to a lineup of 9 or 10 of consistent guys.
2: Yeah, and he continued to echo the fact that, you know, he thinks it's doable for them to play a 10-man rotation, which... um, I can't remember ever seeing that. No. And and there have been some deep teams. Like, I think back to the... uh, I think it was... 2011.
0: The team that lost to Northern Iowa was exceptionally deep. Yeah, but the next the following year, year's team was also freakishly right, deep. Right, and that team ended up the leader
2: in minutes per game. On that team, I want to say, might have been Tyrell Reed or Brady. No, I think it was Brady I know Marcus Morris, one Big Twelve player. It was Brady Morningstar. I want to. I don't know,
0: but whoever it was, it was like 28 minutes per game. Yeah, I'll say this. Very I, I think one thing that was helped uh, helped along in that year was, and I know it was. Very frustrating, KU fans. But it was almost a blessing in disguise that um, Josh Selby that year kind of turned out to be not what you would expect the top, you know, top recruit to be, um, because that kind of gave more minutes to uh, more the the upperclassmen. But yeah, when you have man, when you're running out a team who you're maxing out at 28 minutes, like
2: Marcus Morris, won Big Twelve Player of the Year. He averaged 28 minutes
0: a game. Think about how that's going to affect you when you're playing Saturday to Monday, which happens a lot in the Big Twelve. Not as much as it used to, because they, they have if you're not on Big Monday, you're almost guaranteed to be on Tuesday now. But on those weekends where you play on a Saturday and then you turn around and have a big Monday that self has always already said always said before in the regular season that's a good thing to gear you up come tournament time because you play two games in a weekend in the tournament, think about how great that's going to be um, you know, where if, if your best player K is just coming off 26 minutes on Saturday, and you can have a light Sunday, I mean, you're you're in good shape. Well, and
2: how many times over the last handful of years has KU been burdened by the fact that one of their big men has been out for time? And Bill Self talked about this in the media scrum, too, the fact that, you know, David McCormick's coming off foot surgery in the offseason. Yeah. He, he didn't say that it was something that's lingering or anything, but... You just always wonder how a guys going to respond, and obviously that always makes you worry about that's so much here, weight on that big foot, man, right? Yeah, he, he and
0: he, he's not fat by any means; no, he's just no. taller, it's and just, therefore carries yeah. more weight. That's
2: just what he said. You wonder how a big man, usually with feet injuries, that that can be tough. So to have that extra depth for that alone, right? Like because think about it. like I said, you miss Joel Embiid, Cliff Alexander is injured, and also there's some off the field or off the court stuff going on. Uh, with him. Perry Ellis has an injury one year. Yudoka Zabuki a couple times misses the end of the years with injury. Like You've had so many injuries to that big man spot to where this year you feel a lot more comfortable and not just the big man spot but everywhere if you have an injury that you can kind of overcome that. So I think it helps from that standpoint. I'm still not totally buying into that they're going to play 10 deep but I do think if he's saying 10 like on uh, most years it might be like oh yeah we'll probably play 9 and then it ends up being 8. right? Yeah. So if you're saying we're going to play 10 I'm assuming it's going to be probably 9.
0: So yeah, cuz I I really and if I'm wrong about this, fantastic. I do think inevitably someone's going to disappoint. Yeah. Someone's going to It won't be
2: the same nine or same 10. Yeah, yeah. Like the same there might be the same 7 or 8 and then that ninth or 10th guy is going to yeah. be rotating depending on the matchup, um, depending who's hot, depending who had a good practice, who is having a good game.
0: I'll say another thing about this team and and we'll know the answer to this way better certainly once conference play starts around the 1st of the year but just sitting here on paper I don't look at this roster and go th- and 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 see a player that if they get in foul trouble in any given game you just go crap no you know not like at all. if there's a player that comes out and you know gets two cheap fouls by the first media timeout and it you know there're 14 and a half minutes left and he's got to sit till you know you either choose we sit him till the end of the half or we sit him and the other team goes on a 15-2 to two run, and so we have to bring him back in. I don't see anybody. There's going to be fall-off between Remy Martin and whoever comes in off the bench from Remy Martin, but it's not going to be so drastic that you go, we're lost until he gets back off the bench.
2: Yeah, no, I 100% agree, and that that will be a nice strength of this team. Um, And this all circles into a big topic that you asked about, like how do you get... Everybody to continue to buy in because I'm I'm sure if you are somebody who you know if you're like Zach Clements for instance Zach Clements comes in as the highest rated recruit freshman wise that this team brought in top forty recruit and nobody's talking yet. about no, him nobody's talking about him and a reason why is because you're only gonna play one big man self iterated that today that he doesn't really plan on playing the two bigs because he just worries about the defense and maybe they'll play it'll be a five minute stretch or something but realistically it'll be one big man which means. If David McCormick's giving you 25 minutes at the center, Cam Martin's probably going to give you 10 minutes, maybe all 15 of the backup spot. Yeah. At most, you're talking about 5, 10 minutes a game for Zach Clements. Like That's got to be hard to deal with, so how do you get everybody to buy in?
0: I'll be fascinated this year how that works. Uh, I'll be fascinated if next April we're talking about a guy like Zach Clements transferring. I'll be fascinated uh, next year in the offseason how... Bill Self handles uh recruiting freshmen versus recruiting the transfer portal. It seems like he and John Calipari, who I think John Calipari, Bill Self, and um um uh uh the guy at at Villanova, Jay Wright. Oh, Jay Wright yeah. I think those three and maybe add Scott Drew and um and Mark Few because they're coming off going to the title game. But I really think Jay Wright, John Calipari, and Bill Self are about to step forward over the course of the next decade and be what Roy Williams and Mike Shashesky have been. Now that Shishetsky and Roy Williams have retired, I think it's those three. There, and I'm fascinated, and, and and I bring that up because Calipari and Self both both went hard after that transfer portal, and I wonder if that's going to be the new system where you're no longer excited, going, "Hey, we got this top five recruit coming in," you're going. Hey, we got the Big Ten Player of the Year coming in. And, um, I'll be fascinated to see that and look, I'm not I haven't spoken once with Zach Clements. It could very well be that he that he loves where he's at. He loves going up against these guys in practice and he's happy to wait right um I don't know that I'm just I'm just spitballing well, possibilities. the good news for Clements is that like like unlike like Tristan and
2: Aruna Tristan Aruna was in a spot where if he came back this year he's still behind Jalen Wilson right and and still behind even a small ball for Christian Brown Ochai was that Clements the one thing working for him is David McCormick probably gone after this year. Cam Martin for sure gone. He has to be gone after this year. So you're going to move Martin into a Well, I mean well, different, different position. Yeah, 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 to where yeah. he's going to get playing time. Mitch, but I, I do Mitch think, Lightfoot. Yeah, it, it, he's gone too, exactly. So I, I actually want to have this conversation later because we got to take a break here. But I'm interested. There's a, there's a kid committing tonight. He's a top 30 recruit. I, I forget how it was pronounced. Uday or something like that. Uda. Um it seems like Kansas has a good shot at getting him. Skinny filler. Yeah, and and I'm not saying this is the case with him, but it just got me thinking with recruiting in general now with freshmen. If you're not a good enough player to come in as a freshman and get significant playing time right away, unless you're more of a developmental prospect, right? If you're a high three-star, low four-star, it's a different conversation because you're expecting that to be the case. But if you're a, a high four-star, low five-star recruit and you're not good enough to come in and play significant freshman minutes, I don't even know if it's worth having a conversation about it, uh, you being on the team, because you're just going to transfer in a year. But we'll talk more about that later on in the show. Coming up next, we'll let you hear from what Bill Self had to say at the podium of Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day. Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star joins us in 20 minutes. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with RockJock Sports Talk and or the best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact DJohnson at gpmnow.com. That's D Johnson at gpmnow.com. About 20 till four. This is RockJock Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Derek Johnson along with Adam Dravetta. Jesse Newell, live from the T-Mobile Center. We had to scurry back to to get on air here today, but Jesse's still hanging out over there. Um, So, Jesse, what was one thing that maybe stood out to you the most among uh, all the conversation that was had with Bill Self? Was there anything that rung the most to you, whether it was something you just weren't expecting or maybe a storyline that you think developed from Big 12 Media Days among KU Basketball and Bill Self?
1: Yeah, it's sort of tough to process. Uh I, You know, we talk so much, and I got like 45 minutes with self today. But uh, I think probably right now it's it's just a fascinating time for Kansas. Um, it's weird to have so many preseason expectations and yet not know how it's going to work out, if that makes any sense. I mean, I think about two things in particular. One is Remy Martin. He's the preseason Big 12 player of the year, and yet you know, you hear Bill Self talk about him, and it's sort of like, hey, he's got to figure out how to play at Kansas. He's got to turn himself up defensively. He's got to learn to play. And yet, so it's like we all probably think Remy I mean, Martin's going to be pretty good, but right now, I, I don't know that that's a particular reality, at least in you know, October, and there's time to catch up and everything, but um, that's interesting. And then you know, Bill Self talking about his rotation and the guys, how many guys he might potentially play, and who's going to play, and you know, at a certain point, they kind of just said, I, I'm i not sure yet. You know, that there hasn't been separation. He's going to have trouble getting it down from, you know, 13 or 14 guys to 10 guys, even if they play 10, which is a high number for him. And um, guys are performing well in different practices. Some guys are slow to learn the system and learn uh, what he's looking for in the plays. So, yeah, it's just all up in the air. It's crazy because, again, I'm a guy that um, would have told you a couple months ago that Remy Martin probably should be. Preseason midcold player of the year, and oh I'm a guy that last week voted KU number two in the AP poll. So it's, it's, I don't know if it's concerning. I don't know if that's the right word. I mean, but it's just up in the air right now. There's, there's not many answers, but yet I think a bunch of us still expect Kansas to be good and early Martin to be good. But um, as of right now, there's maybe just more unsettled than there would be at, in a particular Kansas season, even um, though four returning stars are coming back, and they do have a bunch of guys back that you would expect a lot
2: from. Yeah, come to think of it, I thought that was very interesting because in talking to both Bill Self and the players, now that you mention it, like I don't, I don't remember there being much talk about Remy Martin. There was a lot of talk about DeJuan Harris. There was some talk about Joe Yesufu. Are you two? But like, what would you set the over under for minutes at this point for DeJuan Harris? That's a
1: tough one. Um, so <laughs> this is thing I'll say about Dewan is, you know, Bill's always talked about the improvements he's made, and absolutely from a year ago, and how he can play fast, he can play within the offense, he obviously knows what he's doing with the plays, which is giving him a head start right now when it comes to KU, but, you know, if he, his great equalizer, or or the, the opposite equalizer, I guess that you should say with him, is a three-point shot, and, you know, it can sound great in theory to play with him, but if he can't make threes, and obviously it takes him a while to shoot them, and He's still questionable in that regard because even the last teams he played in the NCAA tournament last year were daring him to shoot it. It's going to be real hard to play with him. So, In theory, it sounds great to play him. In reality, it's a little bit tougher once the games start, but I don't know. I mean, I think 10 minutes a game would be too low at this moment based off what Bill Self has said. So 15, it's already a crowd rotation. 15 seems pretty generous, but maybe it's that and trending upward, but at this moment, he might be further along than Remy is just because of the two situations that they have. It doesn't mean Remy won't catch up or he won't be the starter game one, but that's sort of what I'm talking about here is the unknown of the unknown. I mean, right now, we're talking about potentially, you know, Dewan Harris getting more minutes than we thought and Remy Martin getting fewer minutes, but it doesn't mean that it's going to play out that way. It doesn't mean that um, something else can happen in two or three weeks. But unsettled, I think, is the word. There's just a lot unsettled for a team that is preseason top five and most people are picking to win the Big 12.
2: If I told you that at the end of the year, Remy Martin is going to end up being this team's second-best lead guard, and you can say whether it would be Dwan or Yesfu, whoever, first, what do you think that would mean for
1: KU? Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, that'd be a bad thing. Um, you know, Remy is still a two-time All-Pac-12 player, uh, first-teamer. I was looking up the other day. I forgot this, but he was an AP preseason first-teamer last year. Um you know, some of this at Arizona State, and, and you've kind of heard this, and people are trying not to not disparage Arizona State, but they kind of ran their own ship out there, for lack of a better term. You know, like, Remy was sort of free to do what Remy wanted to do, and the team wasn't really winning that much, so if he wanted to get some points, he get some points. And um, it's just going to be different in Kansas. He's got talented guys around him, but that doesn't mean he's not talented. You know, he is fast. i so will talk today about how, he can be a personality on a team. He can play to the crowd. He can be an emotional leader. Um, you know, he can be a, a fine defender if he puts his mind to it and really focuses in. But I think something's gone pretty wrong if Remy Martin is is not this team's best guard, um, or at least point guard, combo guard, whatever you want to say in that regard. Um, I, 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 that that would not be the way that this thing is supposed to work. Something would have had to gone wrong through injury or. Um just a total lack of being able to uh, ingrace yourself into a program where it should have been pretty natural for that to happen, at least based off of fit the offseason. So, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that Remy I mean, Martin is not going to average double figures, or he's not going to average five or six assists a game, or that he's not going to start, um, you know, all or most of the games this season. It's just, it's at a point where this is a different sort of beast for Bill Self, right? I mean, they brought in eight new scholarship players, uh, they have the four returning starters, and then Dewan Harris and Mitch White, but but, how much good does that do you when you know six guys know the playbook when eight guys don't know the playbook? You know you gotta you gotta figure out how to make this work and like everybody do it. you has a loaded non-conference schedule and Bill Self isn't too patient to find out. Hey, I'm just gonna leave this guy in here for 30 minutes to see if he can figure it out. When you know he's losing on the road to Colorado, he's gonna win the he's won the basketball game. He's got to put in the guys that he trusts. So. This is just a, it's a different deal, and every year it's kind of unique in its own way, but this one has the feel of something different for Kansas just because of the pieces they have, the pieces that are returning, and then, as we just mentioned, like with Remy, the pieces that haven't been returning and are really trying to play catch-up.
2: Bill Self has talked a lot about that he kind of envisions with the deeper roster playing faster, and I asked you know, Dave and, and Ochai kind of about that, like what that entails for them. Um, But I'd be curious what you think that means for Bill Self specifically, because uh, when you hear we're going to play faster, like I think that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Right. Like, does that mean you're going to full court press? Does it mean you're going to really run in transition? Like what specifically do you think that means?
1: I think for Kansas this year. If Bill Self plays ten, and again he spoke today about he doesn't exactly know how he wants to use that either, so there's just a lot of question marks with the team right now. But um, I think it does mean some full court press. I mean, DeJuan Harris is a perfect example. We just talked about. Let's say, let's say, let's give him a generous number. Let's say he can play 15 minutes a game. Uh, And Bill Self doesn't like to give up easy baskets. We know that. So this is not going to be press Virginia trapping all that craziness. But there is some benefit to having DeJuan Harris be really pesky in his 15 minutes in there. You know, like, go pick up a guy full court, just bother him on the way up. If you get completely blown by, switch with whoever that is coming up to court. And then not only that, you're, you're working this point guard who has to play 35, 36 minutes a game on the opposite team because they don't have the depth that Kansas does. And then once you do get across half court, you wasted seven or eight seconds, you've got 22 seconds to shoot it, and that benefits Kansas because the shot clock is shorter. You know, when you have a 35-second shot clock, you can still work around and do what you wanted to do and catch your breath, all those sorts of things. But it's kind of a different ballgame with 30 seconds because all of a sudden you got 21 on the shot clock. Uh, it's time to run something. It's time to, to get in, into the motion of your offense. So I think that's part of it. Bill Self has talked about wanting more, kind of like the the really good teams he's had in the past, 08, 12, you know, the ones that's done one of the postseason. Having the two combo guards on the court together at the same time, I think Kansas was sort of limited last year in that, uh, Marcus Garrett being the lead guard and trying to funnel all of the transition through him, it just slowed the team down. And Marcus already was not the most fleet of foot or speediest guard that Kansas has had, especially when you're talking about lead guards. So you yeah, have a Yesafu and, uh, you know, Dewan Harris on the court at the same time or Remy Barton and Dewan Harris. All of a sudden, you can have um, a potential four guys out there who, if they get it themselves, they can bring it. Or they have two options to pitch ahead to. And K, okay, you can get some transition baskets that they really lacked a season ago. So I think it's mostly in those two aspects, but maybe even more than that, um, it allowed guys like a, a KJ Adams breaks the rotation. And there's no concern there about fouling out. There's no concern there about oh my gosh, what happens if uh, if I get uh, is valuable and then it costs the team. It's not going to cost the team because he has got nine, ten other guys they can go to. So I think those are some of the ways you can use depth and quote play faster. And uh, I would expect self utilize them. I know again, full court press is not usually in Bill Self's vocabulary, but the way that they could potentially do this to make other teams uncomfortable, I think it's something Kate could definitely use this year.
2: Yeah, you mentioned KJ Adams, and I think each and every time that we get media availability, I think. I feel like you're you're adding a new puzzle piece to, to filling out the puzzle of trying to figure out before the season like maybe an educated guess what the rotation could look like and you know we heard from Self talking about that maybe he doesn't really envision playing two big men next to each other because of the the impact on the defense. You had um, all the comments that we've heard about KJ Adams where the more you hear about him, the more it sounds like I don't know what role, but that he will be part of that rotation and then. I asked Ochai today, like, is you you've kind of played the small ball four role in the past? Like, is that on the ledger this year as well, or is it different with the roster? And he said, no, it's a little different this year with the roster, which makes you think, okay, maybe not as much small ball four with him. Uh, with all these clues and hints we're starting to gather along the way, like, do you feel like you have a better guess, a better uh, educated guess, so to speak, for who those nine or ten guys will be in that rotation?
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's the theme of the day. Absolutely. And, and that's what Bill Self said today. He said, hey, uh, somebody asked him, like, oh, my gosh, you're going to play 10 guys. And he goes, look, right now I'm worried about getting it from 14 to 10. <laughs> and I think sort of you hit on the point which Self kind of referenced today, which is a little bit tricky, is sometimes it's easier for you as a coach when guys do different things. And so you can kind of pick and choose, okay, which lineup construction goes better or goes better together, you know, who plays better with who, what does this team need specifically, and then you could play that guy. But you, you sort of mentioned it. I mean, there's a little bit of duplication for Kansas when it comes to players, and some of that was by design by Bill Self, but it was because he was, in. in I think in his mind, he was trying to plan in case both Jalen Wilson and um, – Ochai left for the pros, so I think he was trying to cover himself in case those guys left, and and he he brought in guys that are kind of you know like them, but then those guys came back, so it's sort of like oh wait a minute now you have um these pieces that are sort of like um copies of each other, and so you got to figure out okay do I like this guy and is this guy performing better practice over time or or is this guy and you know just just to look at K's roster you know quickly I mean Cam Martin and Zach Clements. Those guys share a lot of the same qualities. You know what I mean? Um, Ojai Abaji and Dalen Coleman lands um, a both kind of outside shooting specialists. I mean, obviously, obviously Ojai is a guy that can, can uh, play defense much better at this point in his career and slide better. But, but you see what I'm saying? Like, there's kind of a duplication of, of these different roster pieces and positions. Uh, and, and it's not a bunch of guys that do a bunch of different things. It's, it's sometimes kind of groups of two that do the same thing. So, uh, that's gonna be complicated. Finding out the rotation, or figuring out a rotation, and keeping everybody happy, and talking to people about red shirts—all that stuff is just—it's complicated, and and that's where KU is still at at this point. So it's it's a fascinating season. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you, like. If it went in a lot of different directions, it really wouldn't surprise me just because KU has so many things on the table it could potentially do. But I think Bill Self, at least at this moment, seems like he's struggling to know exactly what he should do. And uh, he usually figures it out by the end, but uh, this has to be at least a, a kind of a trying moment at, uh, right now to try to kind of try to figure out what this team's feeling is and what that combination of, of a rotation potentially looks like.
2: Yeah, KU basketball in the multiverse of lineups is what's going on right now. We're talking with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star here on Rock chalk Sports Talk. So Jesse, I know you had your original AP poll come out for the preseason, but I don't want to do a Kiss Mary Kill for the preseason. It's you know it's hard without any data points or whatnot. So I've got something similar to that. Um, it's a Kansas football question though. Instead of Kiss Mary Kill, it's better, worse, or the same. Is Kansas football better, worse, or the same than they were a season ago?, uh,
1: they're worse. Um yeah, they're they're worse. And and it's tough to to talk about it and write about it because I think the people or the ones to blame or be mad at are the ones that aren't around the program anymore. You know? Um I not isn't I'm gonna say they're worse and it's not Lance Leipold's fault. I'm gonna say they're worse and it's not the defensive coordinator's fault. And I'm gonna say they're worse and it's not guys that have hung around the program and are trying their best out there, like Kyron Johnson and Gavin Potter and, um, you know, and name them, Mike Nowitzki, uh, Earl Bostick. It's not their fault. Uh, they're doing all these things. But, you know, the reality situation is that Lance Leipold was hired by my study. I can't find anybody later. was hired as the latest Power 5 coach ever from an outside hire outside the program. Usually when you have a coach leave in late April, early May, you hire an interim, you get through the year, and then you figure it out after that. I do not blame Travis Goff, KU Athletic Director, for going out and getting Lance Leipold when he could because that was a very good hire for Kansas. It's just, It just set up the dominoes for this thing to fall completely down. So KU lost three transfers to the transfer portal off of a defense um, that was Already the worst in the nation a year ago uh, when it comes to points per game. That's really tough. You know that that's difficult. Now you got to evaluate talent all in August. You got to figure out who your guys are. You have to install a completely new scheme, and it's just it's difficult. So I mean, it's hard to to do all this and not point fingers and not say it's this guy's fault or that guy's fault. I mean, really, honestly the people mostly to blame are the two people that are no longer with the program anymore uh, and that were um, ousted, you know, six or seven months ago. And it's a shame for Kansas, It's definitely a shame for Kansas football fans. But in the meantime, it's, it's put KU football at a level that I think is even a little bit lower than what it has been in recent years. And uh, that's too bad, but they got to grind through and they got six more games left. So we'll see where they take it from here.
2: I, ho- I hope you've seen Goodwill hunting. So you understand this reference, but you are Robin Williams and Lance Leipold is Matt Damon. It's not your fault. <laughs>
1: There you go. I'm trying to. uh, I'm I'm trying to uh, to speak that exactly, but uh, yeah, it's still way too early to make any snap judgments on on coaching staff members. I mean, this. I know it's a cliche, sort of, but like when Travis Scott made this hire and did it so early and didn't hire an interim, this really did become a year zero because there really wasn't much. Anybody around the program could do to make this a more successful year. So, you that its opening win; that's good for them. But uh, yeah, anything else the rest of the way, they're basically going to have to grind through and, and hope next year comes with better results.
0: All right, Jesse. Before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. Uh, how about you turn on my mic there, Derek? Uh, Jesse, one last thing: Would you rather hold the record for 100 meter dash or for the marathon?
1: Would I? Would I ever hold it? No. Would 17? you rather? Oh, would I rather? We know the answer oh. to
0: would you ever.
1: Oh, say, <laughs> if you I would ever have you. either,
0: you wouldn't have the job you have now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I guess that's the easiest question you ever asked me. Uh, I think I would definitely take the 100 meter. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, sort of like one of those things, like how cool it would be to fly, um, how cool would it be Um to be that fast, to be Usain Bolt, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I think that would be kind of exhilarating. So give me the 100-meter dash title and, and make me feel like I'm flying for a little while. Yeah, nobody right.
2: ever gets tired. Ta- like, when we say fastest man in the world, it's not because you ran the fastest marathon. It's because you ran the fastest sprint, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think that's the right answer. Thank you, Jesse, for your time. Enjoy the rest of your time at the T-Mobile Center, and uh, we'll see you around. All
0: right, appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right, that's Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Stars. Is that what you would choose as well? Um, I think so, but you know, I actually love, and, and you wouldn't know it by looking at me. I love distance running. I, I got hooked on it several years ago where I kind of built up my stamina, just running a half mile at a time and built up slowly from there. Got to the point where I could run. I, I've done a couple half marathons. I'm telling you, man, it that distance running, you get hooked on. Um, but I, I don't know. It would be cool. Cause you're going like 25, <laughs> 28 miles an hour in your feet, that would be really cool. To be able to do on the, the hundred meter. You're never running at that fast of a pace when you're you know, you're doing a five minute mile in a marathon, which is incredible, but for a world record, but to I don't know, just for to at one moment to run that fast would be cool. All right, that's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson.
2: Thanks to Jesse Newell. One hour down, two to go. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk. <laughs> one thing that's self said in in the media breakout as we're here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam DeVetta, Derek Johnson, um, that I found very interesting was all the talk about Big Dave. Um, for one, his importance, uh, the foot injury, how that could affect him this year, his maturity this year, um, and how that relates to the center position and, and not playing him next to Cam Martin. But specifically for David McCormick, like with, with Cam Martin, Zach Clements, those are both big guys who we look at as, as the backups who could fill certain roles as backups, maybe or even just a five-minute stretch with Dave, though, as Bill said, not in a primary action at all with two bigs playing together. Those guys are very similar in what they do. They're both stretch big men who can really shoot the three from the outside. I think Dave is probably the only guy on this roster who you look at as being a back-to-the-basket post-scorer.
0: Yeah, I I think Dave, um, I think those other two guys can do things that Dave cannot, at least watching... Um, their, their high school, you know, Zach Clements watching his high school tape, they're capable of doing things offensively that Dave McCormick is not, but just athletically, he's clearly the the superior choice. Um, I may, we talked about this and, and this was more in reference to a, a potential KU, a, a recruit that's a kid that's announcing tonight, um, but we talked, Derek and I, last night about how much Bill Self loves a Project Big Man. And that's basically exactly what David McCormick has been. Uh, he's been a Project Big Man. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean he's raw. I mean, he show, when he shows up to Lawrence, he's raw. And really, the only big man that Bill Self has had at KU that hasn't been some level of a project was Joel Embiid. Who is one? he was supposed, he to, was be supposed to be a project. He was supposed to be a project, exactly. But every other big man has been a project, and that's okay. Yeah. But you always get to their senior year, and they're doing things that you're like they could never – I couldn't have imagined them doing that. Well,
2: even the end of last year, you could not have – when you saw David McCormick playing as a freshman, when he was basically filling in for an injured Udoka, and he, at, at, you could tell he was a great athlete and he was physical, but sometimes he looked like a bull running around in a china shop. Yeah. You, you still sometimes see that now. But like, the guy you saw at the end of last year where he's basically the driving force of the offense, like you could not have seen that same guy from two years ago. We've seen that progression no, so I, often.
0: I never thought we would have been sitting here in March, and I'm not sure that Kansas was going to beat USC even if Dave was healthy and not coming off COVID. But I guarantee that I didn't think we'd be sitting there in March – uh, worried about Dave. I I don't think we ever viewed Dave as as going to be the difference between a win and a loss in the NCAA tournament, and that's exactly what he was. Um, he certainly, to me, was the reason Ku had to pull away. You know, had to had to sweat it out against Eastern Washington. Uh, you know, at least on the offensive end, I I think those um, the kid with the funny beard who's now down yeah, at gross. OU. I think he was going to get his. But offensively, KU had nothing, had nothing against Eastern Washington. And I think that wouldn't have been the case had uh, they had. And I can't remember if David he went for 22 and nine in that game coming off the bench. If he
2: does not play in that game and does not play that well, who knows what happens? there's no game.
0: chance they wanted him to play that much. No, because he's coming off COVID. Right. He played 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say this and, and, and self and I appreciate this as as. Uh, now being a media of the member uh, a member of the media, I appreciated it when I was a fan. Bill Self is honest. He's he's very much not like, um, I'll use Andy Reid as an example, who I think is a fine guy. He's obviously a terrific coach. I'm glad he's the Chiefs coach, but he really is big on keeping secrets and telling as little as possible to the media. Self is a very honest person with the media, so I, I'm okay with this. But it. I don't like that he brought up the foot thing voluntarily mm-hmm. rather than being asked about it. That I mean, you know, self is never the kind of guy to shy away from things. Well, okay, but me- the fact that he brought it up on his own kind of has me going, "Oh, man, that he might be nervous. More nervous about it than than I think I would have been had somebody else asked him about it. Okay, so I think Dave
2: is, because of that, he is your, even though you have other centers who I think are good backup centers and and can do some good things, because of the fact that he's the one guy you trust is back to the basket score, I could argue that David McCormick is the most important player on the team or that he ends up being the best player or something. Maybe it's Remy Martin, I don't know. Uh, The discussion is always very tough to have and it's kind of nuanced, but um, with Dave specifically, knowing that you have such a deep roster and all this talk about you could play 10 guys and how it's going to be so hard to fulfill all this stuff, we've seen this become popular in the NBA with the load management stuff. And it's a little weird to do it in college basketball for a couple of reasons. One, these try guys are trying to put on their best tape and resume to get to the NBA. And also, it's a much shorter season. I mean, it's less than half the games. Would it be that crazy to do like... And when I say load management, I don't even mean David McCormick would play half the games. But just in general, with certain guys, to say like... to you mean not necessarily skipping full games, but minutes per game? A little of both. Like, if you're playing... uh, I'm trying to think. Um, When you're playing in that that Invitational down in Orlando, Mm -hmm. and your first game is going to be your most winnable, does Dave only play 10 minutes in that game? Or do you have certain games where you just circle beforehand and say... Hey, we're going up to Colorado to Boulder. That's going to put more wear and tear on your body playing there. We're just going to sit you out this game. That's a fair question. I, 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 mean, I don't think. I, to be clear, when I'm having this discussion, I don't think this is ever going to be a discussion with Bill Self.
0: Yeah, I he think cares self, too much about winning. self cares so much about winning, um, which I think is why he's never gotten lower than a four seed in the. Uh, and, and Newell talked. Jesse Newell talked about this earlier, and you'll hear that replay later in the five o'clock hour. Um, but. You know, when Jesse was on last hour, he talked about how you know Bill Bill has had moments where he wouldn't you know he he wouldn't spend much time tweaking or experimenting with the lineup because he wants to win so bad, Uh, and and I think there's something to be said about that, and I don't know that that's the wrong way to do it. Uh, I'm kind of a believer that you should try to maximize. You know, would like if you're telling me would I rather have a two seed in the tournament and be completely healthy or a one seed and missing a couple guys? I'd obviously take the fully healthy team, but um, I I think I don't know. I, I I will say this: I think Self is not. Um, I I don't think he'll be afraid to sit him if if it's a weird thing. I don't think – I think he'll – the second we see some issue, he pulls him. Yeah. But I don't know that there's ever going to be a time where he pulls him it's for never preventative be, reasons. Right, exactly. It's now, never I don't think it's guess. going to be you're playing until that thing is fractured. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's you're on it no, until no. it's seriously injured. I think the the first time there's an issue, he yanks him. But I, I also don't think he'll keep him off uh, just exclusively for preventative reasons reasons. And so
2: you do have kind of a deep center roster like I said even though none of them can do specifically what Dave does when you bring in Cam Martin when you have Zach Clements a top 40 crew even Mitch Lightfoot you know can play spot minutes for you at uh, a high enough level for you to continue on if the players around him are okay which is interesting when you add to the fact that he mentioned you know I I mentioned that at first but now I'm not really thinking we're going to play two bigs next to each other because I'm worried about how it's going to stress the defense. Uh, David McCormick played 23 minutes per game Last season,
0: do you think that is higher or lower this year? Slightly higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be fine. I think. I think he's. I. I think what Bill Self most wants is is Bill is that his team is playing well enough that the that his best players are maxing out at 26, mm-hmm. twenty six or 25 or twenty six. I think
2: minutes. the exception to that are like Ochai and. If Remy Martin ends up being Big Twelve Player of the Year, good. He's going to be playing more
0: than thirty minutes a game, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. I just I those yeah. Always I mean, the Mar- Mar- Marcus those Morris. Marcus Morris was a massive exception. He was a big it, man. Yeah, too. that's that too. And so, yeah, I, I would agree. But I, I think um, if 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 David McCormick is playing, I I guess I'd be I love David McCormick at twenty six minutes where he's on the whole time.
2: Yeah. I think that's the way I'm looking at it. It Probably around 24, 25. And how do you use those other 14? Right. You
0: know, that's going to matter. Well, let's just
2: call 15 to make it even. Maybe 10 go to Cam Martin. If Cam Martin's that much better than Zach Clements, I bet you he gets all 15. But if it is as close as, I don't know, Self kind of alluded to the fact that he thinks Clements can get there, then maybe it's it's 10-5. Maybe it's 8-7,
0: right? And Self is really, really good at using using TV, kind of maximizing TV timeouts, where if there's eight minutes and 30 seconds left, he'll pull a guy just so he basically gets the whole TV timeout plus maybe two more minutes um, to get, you know, I Self is really clever at the way he uses uh, any, any great coach is good at, at, and clever with how they use those TV timeouts, um, not whether it be to, to stop another team's momentum or getting a guy off you know, let's say the other team's shooting free throws with 8.15 left and, you know, you you take him to the side and you hope that that dead ball doesn't come until seven minutes left. So you've, you've rested him for, you know, you basically get three to four minutes of rest time for what costs you one minute of game time. Yeah. So they'll find ways to do that. And another guy I'm
2: interested in see what he does at the backup center role. I hadn't even thought about this, but – Self brought it up. Could KJ Adams play any minutes as the backup center role? We'll talk more about KJ Adams, Dewan Harris, and Christian Brown because those are the three guys that I came away most interested. What the role could be, and and just kind of thoughts on on how they were talked about over the course of media day. We'll talk about that at the top of the five o'clock hour. Coming up next, our hypothetical of the week with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. Depend on it. About 10 minutes till the top of the hour. This is Rock Jock Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com. And don't forget to check out our Best of RCST podcast. If you missed any of the show, any of our previous shows, it's wherever you can find your podcast. And you can also go to KLWN.com. So our hypothetical of the week, um, me and Adam had a discussion off air, but I don't think we're going to use that one because it involved death. Um, do you want to share that one? The one about space. Yeah. Would you rather? Well, yeah, I guess it didn't. I don't involve know if it death involves necessarily death. Necessarily, but
0: I, it could. I didn't even. I. I so To give you an idea, I I didn't bring this up as for the purpose of hypothetical. I my mind, the the kind of the genesis of um not the hypotheticals, but of the the one last thing. Um, I've kind of always been the kind of person where my mind is always going, but it's never quite paying attention to what's in the moment. Uh, so, kind of wanders off into these into these sometimes barren places, um, but that's how I come up with a lot of these questions. And, and I just asked Derek over the break, uh, "Would you rather go very 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 deep in a submarine, not like a you know a little bit deep that if the thing crashes you have a slight chance of swimming to the surface, but like super deep like Titanic level, mm-hmm. or up into space and you have to rotate around the Earth a few times?" So. Um, you know, basically it's, it's a matter of two things. One, what do you trust more to not give out? And two, what's a, you know, an easier death if it does give out? Well, I will say this. I feel like
2: a submarine is more tried and true that it gives out less. Like you hear, I don't know, maybe it's just, I'm listening to the wrong news outlets. I'm not listening to submarine weekly or something yeah maybe
0: it happens more than we think yeah
2: but like I feel like it's you don't hear that often of like oh this submarine composted yeah. underneath the ocean
0: the only time I really read about submarines in the news anymore is these uh these drug mules from Colombia and whatnot bring them in via submarine which the ingenuity of those people wow I mean I'm not I don't I don't uh I don't want to seem like I'm in favor of of dealing you know cocaine or these things but my goodness these people are nifty smart <laughs> They're just <laughs> building submarines. Yeah. Hey. I mean, if you got the
2: resources, I'm-
0: necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, but, but these I, are all, these are all surface level submarines. I would go
2: space though, just because I don't know. I feel more trapped than a submarine, which is weird because either way you're trapped. Like, yeah, you're not. You can't get out. of There's also a part of me that's like, we don't know everything that's at the bottom of the ocean. So you could run into something. If you run into like a evil like. Mermaid, or yeah, and, and or we don't
0: know everything. Megalodon, we, we don't know everything out in space, but we know basically everything at the edge. Yeah, of that, space. You, you know,
2: it's just going to be free, free floating. And I just, I also think from an aesthetic standpoint, you would I have mean, more fun in could, space. Well, and mop, you get to like roll it's around. Funny my, and,
0: my thought is how it would be so relaxing and easy to fall asleep in a space capsule. <laughs> You're just floating around. You more know? relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: So we settle on that. But the actual hypothetical of the week is. If the Chiefs, well, let me back up here. Right now, the Chiefs are not a playoff team, though most people are. I'm sure if you looked at Vegas odds, they would still have minus odds to make the playoffs. But if I told you right now that the Chiefs will be given the seven seed, exactly the seven seed, no better, no worse. Would you take it or take your chances? I take my chances now. And that doesn't guarantee what's going to happen in the postseason. It just guarantees you're in the postseason.
0: Yeah, I, I would take my chances now, um, but I I think last week mm-hmm. I really was leaning the other way. If you would have asked me have, five have, minutes after the Bills game, I would have said done. Yeah, because I, I also I, I think mainly have, from having seen Aaron Rodgers do it, I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is the type of quarterback— that can can get you and it's funny because Eli Manning has done this twice but I think if if you're like I think Patrick Mahomes is it, such a difficult quarterback matchup that nobody is going to be happy to see like the one seed is just going to be is not going to be really happy to be the one seed thinking god we now got to deal with that seven seed." um so part of me thinks I do think this team, particularly with this quarterback, is capable of of rolling through the, the playoffs going whatever it would take, four straight on the road or three straight on the road and then one neutral to win a world championship. I think this team is capable of that. Uh, but I do think, I don't know, maybe I'm floating too high after their um, – on their second half performance. But w- what they did – Basically, what they did to Washington in the second half is exactly what we said about the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans. That, okay, yeah, the Texans are terrible, but look how badly they wrecked them. And that's kind of my thought. Washington, the football team, is terrible, but the Chiefs, I mean, just... Made m- them look terrible. Smoked yeah. them. In the, in, you know, in the second half... Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes made what I still think to be the worst throw he's made as a Kansas City Chief in that in that first half, and so I, you know, I would have probably taken. For, never mind, right after the Buffalo game, if you had offered me the seventh seed at halftime of the Washington game, I would have taken that. Oh yeah. Um, but they played so well in the second half. I, I just, I don't know. I I really, I I think they could be sitting there, you know. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and be stunned if they're 6-3 and three after the Packers game.
2: Well, that was probably, I mean, from the defense, that was probably as good as the defense can play this year. But from the offensive perspective, there's probably a B-minus game because there's probably an, an A in the second half. Yeah, but I was going to say, it was, a, it was bad in the first half because of the turnovers. So, I don't know, maybe a B-minus game from the – maybe a C-plus game, depending on how you want to look at it. And you still won by 18 regardless. I think at this point I agree I would take your chances because I still think, like, they're not out of the division now. They're a game back in the division. They still get to play the game. Yeah, Dodgers. and that gets, you a, that gets you at least one home game. Exactly. So you take the chance right now, but I do agree with you. It wouldn't be that crazy. Now, if I told you, hmm, if I said, would you take the four seed right now, that would mean meaning you won your division. So you don't get a buy, but you, you get one home game. You don't get a buy. Game. you get one home game, but then you're the lowest of the home yeah, you're, meaning, you're most likely something a, weird would yeah, have to happen for, for you to, to host, host the AFC, AFC title. Would you take
0: that? Yeah, I would take that because I feel I feel like this team is capable of being six and three after nine games. I don't know if I would bet on it because they've got they've got the Titans. They should absolutely hammer the Giants on Monday Night Football. The games on either side of that are the Titans on the road and the Green Bay Packers at home. I think I would be happy with 2 and 1 in that stretch i think what hinders that is the fact that they the loss to the chargers was killer man that that really was the most killer the the loss to the ravens was annoying because they were up 35-24 in the fourth quarter but it's a forgivable loss mm-hmm. it's a forgivable loss against the bills but that chargers that chargers loss was so irritating um because everybody viewed that gauntlet as cleveland Buffalo and Baltimore and um they won they went one and two in the gauntlet, but then added another loss. Yeah, I, I'd say if you give me the four seed, yeah, I'd take that right now. I would agree with you. The
2: Chargers loss was the most annoying to this point, and you'd be in first of the division if you won it. But think about it. If you would have beat the Ravens one, at that point, the best team in the AFC is four and two, and you're tied for the best record, and yeah. you also don't have like right now the issue facing the Chiefs is All the projected or or right now the division winners, Bills, Ravens, Chargers, you have lost all of them. You play the Titans this week, so you have a chance to change that. But if you lose that, you have now lost to all four division winners. And what does that mean from a competitive standpoint? I don't know. If you beat the Ravens, you don't have to worry about that from a head to head. And everybody's 4-2. and You're all within each other. So I don't know. I'd
0: be interested to see real quick, um, when it comes to the odds, the Chiefs playoff odds, Odds in the division, odds to win the Super Bowl, odds to win the AFC. I'd be interested to hear what our guy Shane Jackson has to say. Is this because Vegas believes that they're that good, or is it because the public keeps pouring money onto the Chiefs and that's what's keeping the odds low? That's a good question. That's part of odds. It's not just what they think is going to happen. It's what they can
2: get people to bet on.
0: This is Rock Shock
2: Sports Talk. That's our hypothetical of the week. You're on KLWN, depending on it. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We will play the rest of the Bill Self audio for you coming up later in this hour here. Adam also got a chance to catch up with some different coaches and players. You heard his story at the opening uh, about talking with Matthew Meyer. Unfortunately, we didn't get audio from had a little technical difficulty. Just say I screwed up. Well,
0: <laughs> I screwed up. It was my first day using the machine, and I messed it up for, like, the first three people. So that's what happened. Okay, so I want to get some stories of some other questions and
2: answers from players then, at the very least, because we okay. need a recount of some of that. But here is uh, some of what Adam had to say and questioned and heard back from different coaches around the Big 12.
0: Since being in Norman, have you contacted any convents to find some nuns to cheer for you guys?
1: <laughs> I, I've had I've had a, a, a extremely nice woman
2: walk up to me and said, I want to be this year's Sister Jean. Perfect. You know Sister Jean's 102 years old. And I said, How old are you? And she said, I'm 90. I'm like, Come back and see me in 10 years.
0: <laughs> Bill Self called Chris Beard a friend. A couple of years ago, you bought Coach Self one of your uh, one of your well known. Uh, yeah t-shirts to wear during a game in Morgantown. Any jealousy there to hear him hear him refer to Beard as a friend? None at all. No? Chris is How a friend of mine. You, do you feel, do you feel uh, secure in your friendship with Coach Self? If I
2: was going to be jealous about something, it sure as hell wouldn't be Bill Self. <laughs> 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 I'm going to tell you that right now. Oh, I love hugging. Yeah, well, Bill and I are good friends. First been, guy was Porter Mosher, by the way. We've been good friends since I was at K-State.
0: Coach, uh, earlier today we to Chris Beard is a, beer be a beer the friend
1: here. Since he's been, been so making the big bucks in the power
0: play, play since he picked up a check, it's one of the I think
1: uh, we're pretty close to picking no. up a check. Chris Beard picking up checks? No, he isn't. I tell you what, I think Chris would offer, and hope like hell that you would decline. But 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 I do think he would actually offer though. He's he's a he's a good enough guy, and he's not that. I I don't think that he wouldn't at least offer to pick up a check. But but Chris has done a great job wherever he's been. He'll do a great job in Austin. And, and, uh, uh, you know, Texas is is a sleeping giant in all athletic sports without question. And and Shaka had a terrific team last year. Uh, But but I I think Chris keeping them at that level will be pretty consistent.
0: Big the bonus that you probably got for your national championship. What's the fanciest thing you bought for yourself from
1: that <laughs> You know, uh, the best gift our staff got was uh, uh, a new coffee maker. Really, office.
0: Scott drew very boring. <laughs> is it is a drip or is it one of those nice? No, that was like, one, one of those nice of
1: Starbucks chemicals? one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that 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 has our staff excited. That was that was bonus enough. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Thanks, coach. Thanks.
0: You live in West Texas where there is famously no speed limit. Buy yourself a Lamborghini, <laughs> Scott Drew. Well, like at least be like, I took the
2: family on a vacation yeah, to so Hawaii. But- yeah, exactly. We right? went to the Bahamas. It was so much fun. We
0: bought two it, Two yeah. weeks off. I, uh, um, what I wanted to say, what I whispered to you, now I want to be clear. This is me projecting. This is not what Bill Self said and likely not what he meant. But when he said Shaka had a great team last year, my first thought is what's in his mind, and I don't again, I'm I'm this is pure speculation. <laughs> this is not what Bill Self said. But what I'm thinking is, yeah, Shaka did have a good team last year. A team that if it were coached by Bill Self or Chris Beard would have been the number one overall seed <laughs> and gone to the final four. The team was so good. It is such a
2: shame that they didn't even win a tournament game. They lost to Abilene Christian. Um,
0: can you imagine how chapped those players are that that left? I mean, maybe of them, maybe some of them would have just personality wise wouldn't have meshed with Chris Beard, but man, if if Chris Beard was coaching, I've said for for several years um, that that had self gotten and I've said this on the show had self uh, decided to take a peek at the NBA, the first guy I would want. Now Travis Goff, uh, the AD. But the first guy I want KU to call was Chris Beard. I think Chris Beard is as obvious as a coach, as a coaching candidate now, as Bill Self was at Illinois in 2003. I think Chris Beard's an incredible coach. And I think—and um, nothing against the Texas Tech team that that went to overtime in the national title against Virgi- or, uh, yeah, Virginia. Nothing against that team. But, man, if he could do that, just—I can't imagine what Chris Beard could have done— It would have been – I don't know. I I think they would have beat out Gonzaga for the number one overall seed if Chris Beard was coaching that collection of talent. The I wouldn't
2: go that far because that Gonzaga team was undefeated. Um, Although, no, they didn't play. They didn't play each other. But, I mean, I think – I do actually agree with you. I think they had a – I think they were a top five talented roster last year. So, if you add a top five coach – I don't know. I'd have
0: to think it out in my head. But,
2: most likely – yeah, you're getting a one seed.
0: Chris Beard. I asked Chris Beard and again. That was our um, technical difficulties, aka Adam difficulties. Um, I asked Chris Beard. Yeah, I didn't hear Chris Beard. No, I, it, no because it didn't record because mm. I messed it up. Um, but he, uh, I what did I? Oh, I asked him uh, what kind of friend is Bill Self, mm-hmm. and uh, he he had a, a slightly funny answer. I'll say this. He kind of he worked quicker into you made you know Self obviously made it a point to say how great of a job. Chris Beard is going to do at Texas. Uh, Chris Beard worked in worked that into his answer much quicker. You could tell that Chris Beard, I don't know if it's just in his personality or if he's just not yet comfortable enough in his seat to joke around and be a goofball yet. Um, he'll have to make a Final Four or two at, at Texas <laughs> before he's comfortable enough to kind of joke around. Um, but you could tell Huggins, I love that, Hugg, Bob Huggins is – I mean my favorite non-bill self favorite coach. Answer. Yeah. He is the best interview. Bob Huggins is um I think everything you want in a college basketball coach. I th- I don't think anybody I'm not saying that that he cares more about his players than other coaches. I'm sure it's tied for a lot of coaches, but certainly nobody cares about his players more than Bob Huggins. They may they may be coaches who care as much, um, but he cares about his players. He has no um, no qualms giving a good quote to the media. Um, He's, I Bob Huggins. He's funny. Uh, He's funny in a way that I said earlier in the show that I love, which is you can't tell if they're kidding or not. And, and, and Huggins, not only does he have that witty kind of dry sense of humor, he's also very intimidating. So not only is it, are you joking? It's are you angry with me? And he is, he is just great. I, I could listen to Bob Huggins talk about anything. He is by far, don't get me wrong, as a KU fan, I love that Bill Self is, is in Lawrence. I, I'm thrilled with, with Bill Self being KU, KU's men's basketball coach. But just purely listening to interviews, I love hearing Bob Huggins. He's, he is an incredible interview. He was fun. So as far as the players, you mentioned
2: Matthew Meyer taking your, your answer very seriously. Were there any other players you talked to? Anything funny happen?
0: Yeah, no, They, I asked all of them the same question, which was uh, Baker Mayfield uh, has to live in his stadium during the commercials uh, on those, I think, his progressive ads. Um, and I asked them, would you be able to do that? And most of them kind of had. They kind of grinned. Um, I think we did get my question. I didn't ask that question to McCormick and Ochai, but I think we got that recorded with yours, so we'll save that uh, till yeah. we play that, I think, Uh, you play that tomorrow. Right. So you'll get to hear that. But, um, what I asked those other players was if you had a, uh, if you had to live in your own arena, would you be able to, most of them kind of had a a very similar, you know, I love being in the gym, working out, playing basketball anyway. So yeah, I'd have no, no problem with it. I love it. I asked, um, uh, uh, Again, I'm sorry, I forget his name. The, the Baylor kid, yeah, Matthew Meyer. Matthew Meyer. I asked him. He, I asked him what, uh, what a class of his. They have requirement to go to class. All these uh, athletes do. They have to. They can't cut class. Um, but I said, if you could, do you have a class that if you could cut class? You feel confident that you could skip it and, and ace your final. I wish he
2: would have responded and been like, "Oh, I cut class all the time." Yeah, which exactly. Yeah. Been, I'm a senior man.
0: I'm not. I'm which, not showing up to anything. Which one do um, I cut? But I, uh, he said, he's got one class called Death and Dying, which I really okay. needed. I needed to ask more about that because presumably most of us are born knowing how to knowing how to do that. Um, I've what is never, the difference between death and dying? Well, I think that like it's a it's a combination. A it's it's not just. It's it's what to do as a human being who's as I understood it's going it's what to be what to do as a human being who someday will die mm-hmm. mainly getting a will and trust put together and then also how to help other family members as you have a, a loved one who's who's beginning the process of. Um, you know making the the great trip away i'm glad you here.
2: told me that because i was envisioning it being like a class where it, it was, it was like more centered like a on like edgar and poe and everything oh. just super like dark
0: and gothic in there no i was i was more thinking of of um of a mortician which did i ever tell you this is getting way off topic but did i tell you about the people i mentioned uh of the woman who helped raise me uh Debbie, we call her Madre. Um, she loved being ranked when KU was ranked third in the country. She thought that was the perfect, um, she died last December and, um, it was really sad, but she had been sick for a while. And, um, I was, I was there by her side when it happened, which was, which was a special time. Uh, and I, it was her dad, um, her daughter, myself and her daughter's husband, We are the ones there, and so after it happened, uh, the morticians come to pick her her up, and I'm not lying to you, man, super goth, like exactly what you would expect morticians to look like. It was awesome. It was like Wednesday and Pugsley Adams just showed up with a freaking stretcher to haul her away. Well, that's what I envisioned this this class is. Exactly. It's like you walk in, and it looks like Hot Topic in there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But no, I uh, apparently said no. It's about learning how to comfort people when they're dealing with that, and, and- also learn learn about uh getting ready, you know, making your own will and that sort of stuff. So it's kind of a more boring topic than yeah, I where I would really you go expected, like séances and like, stuff. Yeah, like so what are you going to do when you die, Matt? Yeah. So, but that my biggest thought was you shouldn't, you know. We all, you know, we, we all know Wait, so he said that would be the class he would skip? He said that he he says he feels confident that he could um that he would be able to do Ah. fine on that final had he skipped it. Yeah, what
2: is the final? You have to, like, console? Well, he did say,
0: I don't know if this is it, but he did say that uh, at the, I asked him, do you have a will yet? Mm -hmm. Because he said part of the class is learning why it's important to put together a will. And he did say that that's that's one of their projects is making a will. So maybe that is the final. Okay, so Matthew Meyer, the most interesting man
2: in the Big 12 is what you're saying.
0: Well, yeah, I guess. It was certainly on the surface. I wish I hadn't asked for for details. I wish I didn't ask for Mm. details of that class Mm. because when you just see the class is death and dying, um, you just hear that and you're like, well, that's, you know, you get ideas of what that might be. And and it turns out it's it's just boring, you know, paperwork. Okay, I do want
2: to talk some KU basketball here and then we'll play the rest of that Bill Self audio here on RCST. One thing that was mentioned in that that past allotment of of clips from Bill Self, um, K.J. Adams possibly playing a backup center role. And as we were alluding to earlier, if Dave's going to give you 25 minutes, you only have 15 minutes at the center position for other guys to play. And it doesn't seem like there would be a lot left for K.J. Adams to play that. But I don't think it would be a night in, night out where every night he's playing five minutes at the uh, small ball center role. Keep in mind, K.J. Adams is... Listed as he's basically a wing. He's like six seven, but he's yeah. He's listed jacked, as power super good forward. athlete. Yeah. So him playing the small ball center role, I don't envision, like I said, being an every night thing. But it could be something where it's specific to the matchup, right? If you're playing a team who has a wing at the four and their five man is a six eight undersized center who can shoot threes, like a Brady Manic was at Oklahoma, maybe that's the matchup for him to play a little bit more of that, and it just gives you more opportunity, more options to mix and match what you're doing to help you in that specific matchup against that specific team. But I'm very interested because this seems to be a theme, and I kind of have brushed off coming into the year the fact that K.J. Adams is going to play a consistent role on this team because it's just so hard when you already go down the list and you say Remy Martin, DeWan Harris, Joseph Yesifu, Ochag Baji, Christian Brown, um, Cam Martin, David McCormick, You're already at seven. And then if you want to add in Jalen coleman Lands, who's like a 25-year-old who you brought in to shoot threes, I don't know, maybe that's a little redundant with what he does to Ochai, so maybe he won't play as much. But still, that would be eight. That doesn't even count if you have Zach Clements in there, your top uh, recruited freshman. That doesn't even count if a guy like Bobby Pettiford or Kyle Cuff were to play. So it it becomes harder to find the minutes necessarily, but I keep hearing Bill Self talk about him. I keep hearing about the players talk about him, about how impressive he was. KJ
0: or? KJ Adams,
2: yeah in boot camp and how impressive of an athlete he is and and how good of a defender he can be and how switchable and all these things. And I can't help but think the stock is rising on K.J. Adams and that he is going to be, maybe it's not 20 minutes a game, maybe it's closer to 10 to 15 a game, but I kind of view him as being part of, if there is a 10-man rotation, maybe even a 9-man rotation, I view him being a part of that now.
0: For better or for worse, and usually it's for better because Bill Self is... One of the five best, one of the five best coaches in the nation. Um, You have to defend to get into his lineup. You have to defend. You have to be athletic enough to defend well, and your feet have to work well enough to defend well. And uh, that's that's a huge, huge deal to him. And and if the other, if if self, one thing I've really noticed with Bill Self, if Bill Self brings a, a a player up unprompted, that's a good. That's a you know that's a good thing. It, it's, and he it, did with KJ exactly. This wasn't hey, you know we're you know we're, what's KJ looking like. He wasn't asked that. He brought KJ Adams up unprompted, which tells me immediately, um, self likes the toughness that he's seeing from him, and that he likes the way he's defending. Uh, because if if you want to get on, you know if you want to get on self's good side very quickly, show a willingness to defend and an ability to learn how to defend. Uh, and, and if K.J. is showing that, yeah, he'll absolutely get minutes. So stock up for who can K.J. He Adams. Defend? That, that'll be the biggest thing is is who, who can he defend? Like he's going to have trouble defending guys who are. Maybe. I don't know.
2: He's supposedly a great athlete. The guy That's that true. has been compared. I've heard this comparison from like three or four different people. Mark Vidal. If, if Bill Self had Mark Vidal, yeah. this is a younger version, I guess a more raw version at that point of Mark Vidal, but if Bill Self had Mark Vidal, that dude's playing, and, and again, this is a younger version, so it's not that, but if Bill Self had prime Mark Vidal, that's one of his favorite players ever.
0: Yeah, is he—I is he, just wonder, is he defending— how many 6'10 guys is he going to defend? I don't know. That's the question. I think more
2: so you're going to see him in at the 4. Yeah. But I think you have the versatility between 3 through 5. The other guys who I think stock up, based on what we heard today— Dewan Harris and Christian Brown. Um, I want to start with Christian Brown real quick because that was a guy over the course of the offseason when you hear Bill Self wanting to be more athletic, when you hear Bill Self talk about playing two guards next to each other. Well, if you're going to play two guards, let's say it's Remy Martin and Dewan Harris, for instance, um, and then you have Ochai in there, David McCormick in there, who's the other starter? Are you going to start another big man? Or are you going to start um, Christian Brown? At the other wing position, I don't know. But there was a lot of talk of, is Christian Brown in danger of losing his starting spot? Bill Self said he was the most improved player over the offseason. When you add his ability that he said he's the best, I think this is in the second half of the clip that we'll play uh, in a little bit here. I think he mentioned that Christian Brown is their best, like, positional defender, knowing where to be. You combine that with some of the hustle plays he has, the three-point shooting, I don't know. Going- he's not gonna have a setback from last year
0: I don't know if you were there uh if you were there when this was asked of them but uh ochai and Dave McCormick were both asked who's the best defender on your team and I was the one who asked it so I was there <laughs> okay and and they said immediately they brought up Dewan but they did bring up Christian Brown um and I'm trying to think uh it was um CJ Moore had a, had a, a few good questions he kind of polled each player uh player you mo- you hate to guard the most and like who's the toughest player to guard in the Big 12 and who's the player that guards you the toughest and um i think it was both of the TCU kids brought up Christian Brown a- you know Christian Brown I'll say this Christian Brown seems easily and i mean this in a good in the best possible way Christian Brown seems easily angered like Christian Brown seems like the kind of guy who may have been reading the t- any tweets or listening to anybody on the offseason saying he's going to have the hardest time getting into the role. And he seems like the kind of person who's going to take that and not go, boy, I better transfer. He's going to take that and go, I'm going to show you what an idiot you are for even thinking that.
2: So I think stock up on, on Brown from where we were at the end of the year when he struggled at the end of the season, but from where he was overall last year, probably about the same. DeWan is the last guy because you kept hearing people saying he's the most improved. You heard uh, Again, unprompted. Yeah. Nobody O'Chai, brought him up. O'Chai and Dave brought him up as the most improved shooter on the team, which if he's being a really good shooter, that changes game. He got brought up as the best defender, and Bill Self also brought him up as Remy Martin plays better with DeWan because it enables him to be a better scorer. I, at this point, think DeWan is going to start. I think DeWan's going to give him 25-plus minutes a game.
0: I said, uh, especially as popular as the transfer portal was getting and the opportunities it was offering kids, I said to Derek today before all this, before the media session started, I said I was stunned that Dewan Harris stuck around and didn't transfer, and after I heard Bill Self bring him up unprompted, Ochai bring him up unprompted, David McCormick bring him up unprompted, now I understand it. Uh, I, I just, I think he's clearly... Um, he's, he's impressed everybody and good for him. I I think that's awesome. I I didn't, I, I didn't think I, you know, I didn't want him to transfer. I just felt he was looked like the potential to be the odd man out with the amount of talent they added this season. Um, but iron sharpens iron. And and if you get these guys who looked at these, this level of talent coming in via transfer, via recruiting, and, and there's, they're, they're saying, boy, I better transfer, or they're saying, I need to get my game better. That's a good, you know, that's the mindset you want these players to have. Yeah. You know, that they want to, you know, you don't want fights in practice, but you, you don't want a player who's just going to give their spot away. You want, when, when, when they've brought in somebody who you think you've been recruited over or something like that, you don't want a player on your team who's just going to hit the transfer portal. You want a player who's going to say, no, you're not giving away my, in my spot. I'm going to, You know, I'm going to show you that you shouldn't have recruited this guy.
2: And you have to have that to be successful with this many guys competing for less spots. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk.